Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Lauren LeDuc on with us. She is a visionary yoga teacher, entrepreneur, intuitive mentor, and mama. I'm very excited to chat with Lauren today. She has a book coming out, if you're listening to this live, in like three days, and her book is called Embody Your Inner Goddess, A Guided Journey to Radical Wholeness. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So I would love to share, you know, kind of start with writing a book, you know, when did that inspiration hit? Is this something that you've always known you wanted to do and we're waiting for a topic or it just kind of unfolded? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was looking through my phone notes the other day and seeing book ideas from the last several years. So I think it's something that's always been on my like bucket list, so to speak. It's uh, you know, I love reading and I always have, and it's really opened my mind and taken me to other worlds, uh, as well as opened up my spiritual life. So yeah, it's been on my mind, but not like top priority. And, uh, when the inspiration struck, it struck all at once. Um, it was as though like the whole idea for the book, the thesis, the structure was sort of downloaded into me at once. And it was just on a walk pushing my daughter in the stroller so I wasn't seeking it or anything like that and suddenly this idea came and although it wasn't probably the ideal time which like whenever it is the ideal time really for for projects and things like that but you know with it with a one-year-old and uh, my husband was just getting off of a, a pretty hardcore surgery but I was like you know what this is the idea I'm gonna figure it out and do it <laughs> Love it. Um, now the figure it out process. So I, I've written a couple books myself and that is probably the hardest part of like, I have this idea now, where do I go from there? So what was kind of your next steps or did you kind of research how to write a book? Did you hire a book coach or did you kind of just jump in? Oh, I didn't hire a coach or anything like that. I did do some research and listen to a few podcasts and things like that. But since I had the idea of the structure of the book, it made it kind of easy for me to break it down into pieces and figure out how to write it. And I realized once I knew kind of how many pieces I needed and how long it would take to do each one, then I could actually like figure out the timeline for for writing a book. And it became a little bit more doable once I I guess did kind of the masculine work of breaking all of that down so that I had like a structure to flow within mm -hmm. as far as getting a publisher um, and that whole side of things. That was something I definitely had to learn a whole lot about um, because, I mean, as you know, you've written a book. If you're writing to self-publish, you can write your whole book, have somebody edit it, put it out there. It's a pretty, it can be a quick process depending on how long it takes to write the book. Um, trying to get an agent, publisher, et cetera. Like it's a whole other thing. So yeah, I started doing the research kind of right away and made sure to write a book proposal, like as I just had a few chapters written so that I could start that process because yeah, it's a whole other thing. It's a very vulnerable <laughs> to do. I've received so much rejection, um, but all I needed was one yes. So it was uh, definitely an, a huge learning experience, not only in the like how to do something, but the actual like human experience of putting oneself out there in that way. How did you <laughs> handle like the rejection? Because I think that's probably the hardest piece of like, ah, how do I know to keep going? 
Yeah, I'd love to say I'm like this fully enlightened person and it didn't affect me whatsoever, but <laughs> come on, that would be a lie. Um, for me, you know, at first it kind of hurt, especially if there was a specific like publisher or agent that I was really um, excited about, you know, or thought was a good match and maybe had some hope for him. Um so it it was hard. It was hard to receive a lot of rejection at once. In fact, I got rejected by uh, an agent that I thought was going to work out in the same week that just randomly I had like two people drop out of my yoga teacher training and like five people drop out of two different retreats that I was doing. None of it was related whatsoever, but it was a little bit of an ego check for me. <laughs> Um, you know, so I think it's important when things like that to feel all the emotions, don't shove them aside or push them down, and then you can get to the higher wisdom, right? So for me, after feeling it, the wisdom is that all rejection is redirection, and that was precisely what it was in this case. Um, I had another agent reject me, and he, I, I wrote back, and I was like, is there anything I can do to, like, make this more sellable? And he's like, I don't think so on my end, but here are a couple of publishers that are more up your alley that you should check out. And mm -hmm. one of them is who I ended up with. So, you know, the no's can lead you to a yes. <laughs> love that. I love that. And that's great. Like even just wisdom on your part to be like, Hey, what would have made this a yes in your book? And, you know, having that guidance and that wisdom, because I've, I mean, I think if anyone's ran an own, you know, your own business or written a book or done any of that, you're used to knows after a while, but it still doesn't mean they don't sting. And especially when they all pile up on one week, which again, as a business owner of 10 plus years now totally happens. And you're like, they're just, I mean, some days we're just like, I just want to throw in the towel. And one of my friends and I are always like, what phase are you in, in your menstrual cycle? Is it luteal phase? Cause typically <laughs> it's luteal phase. And we're like, okay, slow down. So, I mean, I just, I love that vulnerability that you just shared. Cause I mean, we've all been there and just how to get through it. And you just got to you got to keep going. And, you know, especially if it's something that's on your heart like that. And I was looking through, cause you had sent me an advanced copy and um, I love that it was structured into just, you know, broken up into days and into those 49 days and digestible pieces as we both are moms. Like that seems like a doable thing for me right now with a seven month old. I'm like, I could, I could do this. So can you speak to that process of how did you kind of get that download in? Okay. I'm going to break this up into 49 days and, um, you know, the journaling aspect that you have included with it as well. Yeah, for me, learning has to be interactive. Yeah, I can sit and read a book, but I'm going to get a whole lot more out of something if it's set up a little bit more like a course, which is essentially how I set up this book if someone wants to use it in that way. Um, so yeah, the idea of the like structure through the chakra system came right away. And for me, it's such a natural way in how I work. So it made sense. And I would absolutely say that being a new mom was very inspirational as far as like how short the chapters are and dividing it up in that way. Um, because, you know, I went from structuring my business and my life so that I had a lot of time for self-care and my spiritual practice before baby, but that really changed after. So I was like, okay, how do I give people like a potent 20 minutes a day that is really going to make a difference, but not like overwhelm? I think it's hard to like commit to doing something for a long period of time if we like take it all in all at once. It's like setting 
I don't know, a really big lofty New Year's resolution instead of like, I don't know, just choosing some smaller goals <laughs> that yeah. lead up to a bigger one. Um, also, I did have, you know, I haven't seen a lot of other books structured this way, but I do want to give credit where credit is due. A few years ago, I was looking for something precisely like this. I was um, still in some of the beginning phases of my business and just feeling stressed, <laughs> feeling stressed with the business, with my personal life. And I found Gabby Bernstein's book called May Cause Miracles. That is so funny. I literally was just <laughs> going to say that book because this is what it reminded me of. So. Oh, well, I'm so glad because <laughs> it was definitely an inspiration. It's a little bit different structure, but hers, I think, is six weeks. So it is uh, very similar in that you do like the readings and then have uh, some accompanying journaling or, or action items to do. And that really made a huge shift in my life. I, I feel like I owe a lot to that. And I've gone back to it at periods of time where I've needed it. So that was hugely inspirational for the structure because it just felt so attainable to me um, to be able to stick with something because it it comes in those bite-sized chunks rather than trying to read like a 300-page self-help book. To me, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I will say as someone who loves to read and with, again, a little one right now, I'm like, I have about four or five books that I've started. And then I place like one's in a diaper bag, one's in my purse, one's in the bedroom. And I've probably gotten maybe a couple chapters into each just because time is like, so, you know, small right now. And I'm like, I, I should have just stuck with one book and just carried it around with me because I probably would have maybe finished the book. So now I have to start and some of them are fiction. But I like the idea of this, like, hey, let's have this, you know, day practice. And for me, especially in this time, and I think a lot of moms can probably relate of here's my structure for the 20 minutes, because sometimes when you don't sleep at night and your little one's up all the time, like having, here's my book that I'm going to do. Because if we have to think about it, sometimes the thinking leads to, oh, shoot, there goes the whole 20 minutes that I had. And then we lose it. So I really like that. Hey, here's the structure. Grab the book. 20 minutes is all you need you know, whether it be in the morning or evening for people, that's a great um, digestible thing. Yeah. So, thanks for, thanks for seeing that and pointing it out and yeah, appreciating it as a new mom too, because having a sadhana is so important, but yeah, it's not like we can just like stop and do 90 minutes of yoga and then another hour of meditation. Like that's just like, haha. And it does get easier. Right I'm like, yeah, I was, when my seven-year-old, it was just my seven-year-old, but now, you know, with two of them, I was like, and another one being this little, I was like, oh, I'm back to the, it's going to be a little bite-sized practices for a few more years um, until he's a little bigger and he needs me now, which is totally fine. Like, that's just also the mindset of like, knowing this is the phase of life I'm in. And especially if you're a first time mama, sometimes that's the hardest thing is to like, you never, you, you don't know there's an end date or there's like, you know, some, eventually they're going to be able to do things by themselves and I'll have space in the morning. And, you know, having now my second, I realize how fast that time does go. So I'm definitely treasuring it more this time. And so having, but I still want something for me that, cause I helps me feel grounded, having my meditation practice, having that space for me. So I really like that concept. So I want to kind of dive into the more of the topic of your book right now. And so embracing your inner goddess, is this a journey that you personally have been on or how did that topic kind of come to you? Yeah, this is definitely a journey I've been on for a long time. I don't know if I would have called it that, you know, 20 years ago, I, I wouldn't have had the the knowledge to, I suppose. But yes, it's definitely been um, as far as embodying the sacred feminine 
even like just discovering what that means and uh, how it applies to my life and then finding this sense of wholeness which to me they're really tied in together so do you want me to go into my story yeah yeah yes. okay sure so when I was uh, a kid I grew up in a really religious family here in the midwest and wanted to be perfect <laughs> I had great grades and I sang and I danced and I had friends and I went to church and you know and 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 all the things and I think eventually as a teenager I felt like I was wearing like a tight sweater or something mm -hmm. like that it started to feel very unsustainable for me and I developed a difficult eating disorder I kind of crashed and burned in a way and at the very same time was just questioning pretty much everything I had ever been taught and also just being in a bad place with myself, not loving myself for sure. And just not, not sure who I was, what to do, where to go from there. And that really sparked this about 10 year journey of healing, of exploration, of a lot of failure, uh, a lot of fun too. But yeah, I, I didn't know what, to, what I was going to do with my life. I kind of saw all my peers kind of following the structure of like, this is what you do and seeming to seeming to do it gracefully. I don't know from the outside. And I just, I couldn't like stay in school. I, I had horrible anxiety and depression and I would just like smoke weed all the time to, to numb myself from it. And I moved around a lot and uh, yeah, just was trying to find my place in the world. And at the same time, I felt opened up to really explore my own spirituality. And as I started really delving a lot more deeply into yoga, which I was um, exposed to for the first time at 17 and in-person treatment in the hospital, I really started to feel more at home within myself. Um, I was feeling more aligned with like what my life path might be eventually later on. And I was also exposed to, um, you know, the different goddesses of yoga and having grown up in like an evangelical Christian home, I only had this one specific view of what God was. I knew I didn't believe that anymore, but I didn't really have anything to like, I don't know. I didn't have anything that I really connected with at that point. So it was very cool to start learning about these different goddesses and to like see them or see, see myself in the divine and see the divine within me in a very mm -hmm. different way than I had before. Um, and then also to learn about like the feminine being really suppressed throughout history. Um, and then my eyes were opened to just society at large, I think, culture, society, media, religion, all of these different things that really program us into thinking that our lives need to look a specific way and that we need to be a specific way. The same programming also tells us that there's something missing inside of us and that we're not whole and that like happiness is just one relationship away or one product away that you should buy or one like, I don't know, makeup or diet or, you know, whatever it might be. But um, coming back to yoga, I was feeling so much more at home with myself through the yoga practice, uh, ended up becoming a teacher and really just like clicking into place after that. So uh, a lot of work with the feminine in that time, particularly through different goddesses that I was learning about in different cultures. Um, but in the last few years, I think especially through like my pregnancy and birth, I've become a lot more interested in like, what is my, like, what is my inner goddess? Because 
while I think that it can be valuable to look outside ourselves, you know, to deities and things like that, uh, for answers, they're all truly within, you know, if we look at yoga, like the soul is within us, the divine is within us. That's the great realization that we make through this practice. So for me, like the sacred feminine is really this exploration of the feminine aspect of our highest selves. So beyond any teacher, beyond any guru, beyond any deity, like that's who I'm looking to. And that's who I am trying to connect others with because it's such a source for inspiration and clarity and direction and authenticity. And by embodying that divinity, we get to live lives that, um, that are meaningful, that are in alignment with our dharmas, that are in service to the world. It's really such a beautiful thing. Mm. Man, your story, I feel like everyone, I mean, here in Minnesota, I'm like, oh, I can relate to like all of that, like the more, the doing, and here's like what it should look on the outside and here's the progression. So um, how did you kind of maybe even have courage to step away from like that norm or that path that maybe mm. your friends were or your parents expected of you? Is that something that, you know, maybe you consciously thought of, or you just were like, nope, this is, I need to go this way because it's, that's where my heart is. Yeah. I think that's where my heart was. And it was really hard too, at the same time, um, talking when I was in the hospital and like getting treatment, it, it forced my family to have therapy. So there are a lot of really uncomfortable conversations. Um, but ultimately like, I just wasn't feeling like I fit into the Midwestern norm, which is funny because I, I live back here now. And also I know a lot more about people now. Like there are a lot of weirdos uh, all over the world. <laughs> Maybe not in the best way. Yes. Um, or people who felt like they don't fit in or something like that. But I had, it was just hard. Like I love my parents so much. We're still really close. But to have discussions with them that I was believing something different mm. was extremely hard. And to them, especially my dad, it felt like they were failing at their job. Mm. Um, because if you were, if you're like truly in belief of that system, if somebody doesn't believe that they're going to hell. So to believe that about your own child is a huge thing. And as a child to receive that is very traumatic, I think. Um, so that part was hard, but I will say I grew up one reading a lot two in theater and music and dance and I think the arts really exposes people to a lot of different ways of life. You know, being exposed to like to gay people, for instance, through through that world. Um, you know, not everyone I was meeting was trying to fit into the box, right? Or decided it just didn't fit at some point. So that was really inspirational to me. Um, so it was hard. I needed to leave. I went and moved to Chicago for a few years. I lived in Tampa for a few years. Um, to do this self-exploration. And when I've come back feeling more whole and grounded, um, I still did need a lot of self-work when I came back. But I think it gave me the space and it gave my family the space to kind of accept, I think, the way that things are and to love each other more. Um, and it can be hard to do in close proximity. For sure. Also, you know, I think as an adult too, you see like the people who, who've got everything quote unquote right. And then you see they're not happy when they're 40 or they're 45 and they, 
were younger and they go through midlife crises. And I did have a conscious thought in my twenties of like, you know, what? I'm never going to have to go through that. Cause I'm getting this all out of my system. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. We'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, I mean, I think that I grew up, my dad uh, is a farmer and my mom, you know, was, was stayed at home with us, me and my three brothers, my brothers are all farmers or ones that runs his own trucking business and just not your traditional jobs, I guess, in that sense. And so I was lucky in that sense where I could kind of go my own way or do my own business. I remember when I first started as a personal trainer and my very, it was my very first job. And my mom, um, and I just was out of college. She's like, when are you going to get a real job? And I was like, what? Like, this isn't a real job. Like, okay. You know, I was making money, paying my rent. And so I was like, okay, I guess like I should go back and get my teaching license. So I went and got my teaching license and I taught for a whopping one full year of actually being in the classroom when I subbed the year before. And I was like, yeah, I mean, and again, I don't mind teaching, but it's not where my heart was. I'm like, my heart is, you know, in right now it's Ayurveda. He has evolved since, but at the time it was training and yoga. And, you know, that's kind of where I've, I guess, fallen. And my family is very just like, okay. Cause I, they've kind of get it now. Cause I'm like, I grew up with someone who got to set his own hours, you know, now granted farmers are kind of also the weather dependent and other things that are, you know, there. And if you have livestock, you always have to be at home and, or someone has to cover chores, but it's still a very, you know, kind of more time freedom. And so for you, when you kind of do your own business and you had said a yoga studio, do you run your own yoga studio? Yes. So I've owned True Love Yoga here in Kansas City for the last eight years. And yeah, it it definitely has been a beautiful journey um, and it's evolved a lot through the years. So I have that. Um, and along with that, I run our yoga teacher training program uh, and, you know, workshops and stuff here and there. Um, I love developing new teachers and and have a staff that are it's full of people I've trained, which is very cool. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a huge learning process. I did not grow up with an entrepreneurial family, but my husband is. So we've both kind of built our businesses that are separate, but alongside each other over the last 11 years that we've been married. He has a taco restaurant (laughs) and I have a yoga studio. (laughs) Um, How is that? Like I, my husband also runs his own business. And so I'm like, I have, fascinated by that. Cause I think sometimes, you know, people don't realize running your own business, like you are very much like ebbs and flows potentially and making mm-hmm. that work. And, you know, sometimes people, um, like people are just like, Oh, it must've been nice. You know, you had a spouse, you know, to lean back on. I was like, well, when I first started my business, it was just, it was just me. Like I, it was do or die. Am I paying my bills or not? And, you know, we, my, we just got married eight years ago, as I'm thinking, yes, eight years ago. And so like, I ran my business for a couple of years, all, all by myself and, you know, providing for myself. And so I think there is some, you know, I guess people have this idea in the back of their minds of like, oh, you know, it must be nice. But when you have that entrepreneur, it is kind of like both of you are feet to the fire. And how do you kind of manage that aspect of running businesses and staying in the yoga kind of realm of things and not getting too spinny and too sucked into numbers and all of the things. Yeah, it's definitely been a process. Uh, On one hand, seeing the way he works has been 
very inspirational for me as well as very like eye-opening and realistic. I think there is this, especially now, this idea like on Instagram or online of what self-bossing is or, uh, you know, running your own business. And it's not always very realistic because it does take a tremendous amount of work, even for those of us who are into like cyclical living and the feminine, <laughs> like we have to have the masculine aspect too. That's, that's kind of just the way it is. Um, so I found that inspirational. On the other hand, my business is a lot different than his. Um, he has a very busy restaurant and it has kept him there for, for many years before that, he was doing like different online work, but he's worked for himself for a very long time. Um, so we've been really happy kind of letting each other do our own thing and then coming together and, and you know, really encouraging each other and things like that. I did find, uh, like I was talking about, when I found that Gabby Bernstein book, I was feeling pretty burnt out. So I needed to start finding different ways of working mm. that worked better for me. And honestly, that were more in the feminine and that didn't lead to burnout. Um, like I'd never even heard of working with my cycle until mm. like maybe four or five years ago. And that's a huge game changer as well, as well as like figuring out how to have good boundaries around my work. Like these are actually my working hours. This is when I answer emails, you know, instead of just working all the time, because that's not sustainable. As far as being a couple together and having our businesses, um, it, it's been fine for me to like stay in the yoga world. It's where I feel happy and safe. And it's, it's what is best for our family because um, it's, truly like my passion it's what I need to do to like keep myself accountable as far as my own practice mental health spiritual physical health goes um so it's always been a good thing I'd say having like the double entrepreneurship and having kids that's definitely a whole other element um I will say for right now like the bulk of the parenting does lie on my shoulders because my job is a lot more flexible um but I'm sure things will shift and change too over the years. So I think really great communication is needed and a lot of grace for each other too. Um, and pride in what we're doing because our businesses are also our babies. Um, they really are. Like we've put just as much time and energy and work into them. I have to say like, you know, if I was to save one, it would be my actual human child, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why I'd be putting that scenario. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I had, um, I just think it's fascinating to talk to people who's like, okay, both you and your spouse are entrepreneurs. How do you manage it? How do you make it work? And just being realistic about, you know, childcare, like we kind of split ours, you know, I primarily am daytime hours at my work and he primarily is nighttime coaching basketball. And so, you know, we can kind of flip flop that. And then, you know, weekends I teach right now on Sundays, but then when he has tournaments, I used to be able to take my seven-year-old and he could just kind of hang out and chill in the back room, but now seven month old, not going to be able to do that. And so I'm like, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do, you know, certain days. And so all of those are little things that maybe you don't always have to think about, but when you both are kind of doing your own things, how can you manage that? So I always love to, to hear other people, the way they do it and how it all works out. So how do you kind of manage with all of this? Cause you're doing a lot as well. And, you know, you have this book, you have a three-year-old, you know, you guys both have your own businesses. How do you make time for your self-care and your practices? Mm. That's a great question. It's definitely taken me a while to figure out, and it's been different in every stage of my daughter's development. 
um, like at first we would take a lot of walks outside with the stroller and I'd put in like a podcast or I would talk to my therapist and that was like how I got my self-care in basically um, for the first few months. And now she's almost three. So pretty much every single day, she knows when it's time that we like go downstairs and mommy does her like exercise or her yoga and her breathing and she like plays toys or watches a show or something and it's just built into her our day you know i could wait until she naps although like those nap hours are very precious for you know whether it be self-care or work or you know whatever it is um but as hard as it is because you know i'm generally interrupted she needs a snack she needs water she wants snuggles like you know whatever i want her seeing me doing that and I do, I feel satisfied. Like I get 30 minutes of movement. I get like 10 or 15 minutes of breath. And then I have some time to like journal. Um, But yeah, it's just a a shortened version of what I used to do. And it feels like enough for now uh, because I love my life and it's giving me the fuel that I need to, to show up and, and do what I love to do and, and be as good of mom as I can. Not perfect, but you know, trying, (laughs) trying to be the mom she needs um, what about you? What are, what are you able to do right now? Uh, um, my goal is to meditate in the mornings and that doesn't always happen. It depends on what time. So my little guy is not a good sleeper. And so some, well, we were getting up six times a night. And so I kind of had to scrap that morning meditation and put it in maybe in later in the day, but my joy and my, my love is going out on my favorite nature trail and I've kind of conditioned my seven-year-old will go on six mile walks with me there. And now my seven month old at the time of we're recording this, you know, he can sit and we kind of chill and we can go on these, these, you know, six mile hikes in the woods. And, um, that's kind of my self-care right now. And I know it will shift again, like before we hopped on here to this interview, I just did 30 minutes of yoga and my little guy was just kind of crawling around and chewing on my yoga blocks and (laughs) hanging out with me. But this is something that I do remember, as you had said, how important it was for your daughter to kind of witness. I remember doing that with my mom, like my mom would go running down our road, you know, as when we were little, and then when she would get back, she would stretch and she'd always invite me and my brothers to come and stretch with her. And so that's something that I'm like, oh, I always loved it. Like when she would come back and, you know, we would do our, our little stretching routine. So I do think it's, it is important. And it's kind of, I mean, as kids get older, we thought it was fun. So Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I want her to see me caring for myself and to like feel why I'm doing it. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's not explicit, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were like always on diets. Like there, there was a lot of body talk, not about me, but around them and the house and, and my mom and her whole family is very like, uh, you know, beauty as a means of survival, honestly, for women for a long time. Um, so to, for her, my daughter to see me moving because I love it and because it feels good and because it's good for my health. Um, and it gives me energy. Like I'm so happy that I can show her that I am showing up for myself in that way, even though it makes her mad sometimes right now, (laughs) but it's also mostly just part of our routine. Yes. I mean, I need it because otherwise like my, there would be days where if my mom wouldn't go for her 
run, which I think was her mental health. She'd be like, Kelgon, take me away. I don't know if you remember those commercials, the bubble yeah. bath commercials. <laughs> so she would recite that. And we were always like, we thought it was funny. Now as a mom, I'm like, oh, she totally just needed a break. <laughs> like Having that was her F-bomb. Yes. <laughs> Kelgon, take me away. Because again, my dad is a farmer, so he's in and out of the house. So he wasn't always necessarily there watching us. And so she was just at home with four little kids on a farm, which I'm sure was probably lonesome at times. Now I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask her this when I see her next. I'll just <laughs> dive into this, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, stuff that we don't, I mean, again, coming in the Midwest, I don't know if we necessarily talk about. And like my mom had found out my grandma had a nanny and for her four kids, which a nanny that you know, my grandma's 97 unheard of back then, especially on a farm. And so she was like, huh, I bet she, she needed help and she needed a break. And my grandpa would have been one to be like, Hey, let me get you some help. And so a nanny would come and help her in the summers, which again, we just found this out at someone's funeral. And, you know, they're like, Oh, I used to nanny for your husband. And my mom's like, what? I did not know this. And my dad was young, so he couldn't quite remember. So it was just fascinating just to see how some of that probably is generational passed down that you don't realize it's kind of just stored or like, we shouldn't talk about feeling overwhelmed as moms and, you know, taking time for ourselves, why it's important. So I did find that fascinating just to, you know, hopefully we're slowly breaking those molds and making it okay to take a break, have help, you know, get the self-care when needed. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, yeah, my daughter sounds a little bit like your son in that she doesn't sleep well and she just hasn't really taken care, like taken to getting, getting watched by outside help. Like she loves my mom and, and we have a couple neighbors that, that she likes hanging out with sometimes, but it's really been all on me. <laughs> um, but it is nice to know that there are options when it's, when, you know, she becomes more comfortable, um, and I've said from the beginning, I've said this like to her, not that she understands it, but like, I, I promise I'll be the mom you need. And, you know, sometimes that has meant like putting my own needs aside and mm -hmm. that's what you have to do when you have a being that's fully dependent on you. It's not sustainable in the long term, but it does need to happen sometimes. And, you know, not always in the moment, but I'm grateful to be of service to her in that way. Like it's such a beautiful, beautiful way to give to this world. Like they are our future generation. And while it might sound cliche, it is like one of the biggest jobs in the world, I think to shape them and to give them, I think the safety and the space to like truly be who they are and, and to, to embrace their wholeness and to to live their dharma right so it's it's a big job and it takes like from our generation and us as mothers a lot of self-healing to be able to do that mm -hmm. to not just do things because that's the way that we learned them um, to break these generational and ancestral cycles of trauma to look at society and be like is this really what I want for my kid and then to to make the conscious decision to do things differently. Like it is not easy to go against the grain, um, but it's a very valuable work. And I do think that like mothers of this age who are consciously raising children and fathers and, and you know, wherever you're on the gender spectrum should feel uh, really proud of themselves for doing this worthy work. Yes. 
100%. And I, I do like that you spoke to, like, sometimes you do have to put your own needs aside and your child's needs happen. I think, again, sometimes in social media, some of that can get lost. And, you know, the nuance is hard to share, I think, on there. But that is, I think, it's true for probably the majority of parents are like, yeah, there's times where it is going to have to be a season or, you know, whether it be a day, whether it be a season, whether it be a year, whatever that looks like of just like, Hey, I I'm needed. My child needs me, you know, more, and I got to take care of myself, but it might look again, as we're saying right now for, you know, people who've little kids, you might look a little different. So thank you to speaking to that. And I want to kind of, um, you know, wrap up by coming back into that, into your book and just knowing if people are listening, they're like, who is this book, you know, written for, you know, who did you kind of have in the back of your head as you were writing it? Yeah, I'd say if there was like an avatar I was writing to, it's certainly my younger self, although I read it now and it's still, there's still words (laughs) that I need to hear. So I would say it's mostly for, if I was to like break it down to a demographic, like millennial aged women uh, like myself, But if you are younger than that or older than that, you can surely benefit from it Um, because, you know, we, we all live in this culture. We all live in this world where there is suppression of the feminine, where we're not embracing cyclical living, where sensitivity isn't really celebrated, where collaboration is not chosen over like competition or even domination a lot of times, um, I mean, I could go on and on, like there's so much beauty in the feminine. So being able to unleash that within ourselves and find a little bit of balance is going to make a huge difference in pretty much anyone's lives. When I, when I talk to or work with women my age or, you know, pat it 15 years, either way, like we all have gone through very similar things. Even if you haven't had an eating disorder, you probably have had an effed up relationship with your body or food at some point, or you might've gotten a lot of messaging that somehow you're wrong for the way that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say it's for anyone who's ever felt like they're not enough, who feels like they need to apologize for their existence at times, uh, who might need a little bit more of a like solid connection with themselves and and with their spirituality and it's also for anyone who like yourself or myself who's been on the path but needs that extra bit of accountability or inspiration or like cheerleading (laughs) at times or even just the structure um of like this is my sadhana for the next seven weeks and i know that by tending to myself in this way that i'm going to feel better Mm. so it's kind of a long-winded <laughs> answer, but it. it's it's certainly certainly for anyone who's felt that way. Mm, I love it. And can people, will this be at Amazon, any bookseller? Where can people kind of purchase it? Yeah, any of the major booksellers. It's now available for pre-order, but it will be available just for plain old sale here in a few days, mm-hmm. November 24th, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookseller, um, as far as having an in-person copy. If it's not there, you'd have to request it if you're going local. Um, but yeah, you could have it really quickly if you just go on Amazon. Um, but that's up to you. <laughs> and then where can people connect with you? Do you like to hang out on any social media, your website? Yeah, my website is laurenleduc.com and you can find out what I'm up to over there. I uh, do intuitive readings too. So you can connect with me on those through my website. Uh, my Instagram is I am Lauren Leduc. 
And then I have a podcast uh, that comes out weekly called Your Spiritual Besties with my best friend Rashida. And we we do intuitive readings. We chat with each other. We talk about yoga and chakras and, you know, whatever it might be uh, and interview some really cool guests too. So yeah, you can find me all over the place. And um, I love to like personally connect with people. I know we do these podcasts and things and people listen and sometimes, you know, you don't hear from them, but if you do want to connect or have questions, like please just DM me <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to chat. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I just have one final question for you. So mm-hmm. I always like to end my podcast with a challenge. And so a little weekly challenge to the listeners. And so whenever I have a guest on, I have you throw out a little challenge to everyone. And I totally, I usually warn people that I'm going to ask you this at the end. And I did not to you today. <laughs> so you're on the spot. Can you think of anything that you would like to have people try this week? Mm, yes. So this is one of my favorite embodiment practices from the book, and it's really simple. <laughs> so uh, it's in day two, which is I move with joy. And this is all about just dancing as like stupidly and silly as possible. So put on like whatever gets you moving. I did this the other day. I put on uh, going to make you sweat. You know, everybody dance now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And just made like stupid faces and moved my body. And and you can move more gracefully than that if you want. But the idea is not to move for any kind of aesthetic or try to look a certain way. Like it's probably best if you're looking in a mirror, it's only to make yourself laugh, not to like look at how awesome you look at the moment um, and just let it all out. And it is so fun. And if you're in kind of a crappy mood, it's a really quick turnaround. Um I know for me, like I did ballet growing up and, you know, even yoga, like it gives you this like structured way to move and it's beautiful, but to really just like go outside of that and do an ugly dance is really fun. (laughs) And it's a really good way to get your energy moving and just feel like more like yourself. That's great. And especially like at the luteal time of your cycle, when you're feeling the yucky, it's just be like, okay, shake it off. (laughs) That is precisely when I did it too. I think it was like day 29 of my cycle or something. I love it. Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) it felt really good. A lot of like ugly lion's breath with it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and definitely go check out our book. It is wonderful. Um, as I said, I already kind of had the pre-order, um, I guess, whatever sneak peek look as we're recording this, everyone just, I am always like, it's seven forty-five at night. <laughs> I was up a lot last night with my little guy. So I am impressed that I've made it this far and can throw together a coherent sentence. I think so. <laughs> Her book is great though. You'll get what I'm saying. (laughs) I am absolutely in the same boat right now. Like it has been a full day of momming and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do a seven o'clock podcast time, but I think we did great. So just props to both of us. (laughs) So hopefully you understood everything that we said tonight. You know, we're in the zone. (laughs) We're in the zone to go to bed. I'm not sure which. That's where we're headed after this. I can hear my toddler screaming. So I think it's about time. Perfect time to call it good. Well, thank you, Lauren, and everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.